everybody. Welcome to the I Am A Woman podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Strickland, and I have a very special guest on the show today. She is a longtime friend. Her name is Heidi St. John. We met many years ago, uh, sitting at a table together at a uh, Logos, actually, Bible event, and, and we became fast friends and have been friends ever since. I have admired Heidi as she has taken her voice and brought it into the political sphere. She is amazing uh, teacher of the word of God. And together, we, our heart is to shepherd women. And as we go, you know, as we wrap up, if you hopefully you guys had a chance to listen to this last series that we did on the history of feminism, Heidi is the perfect guest to come on next because we're going to be talking about the feminine voice over the next two episodes and how women in the church can use their voice to bring wisdom and healing and light to the conversation about gender. So Heidi is the author of several books, including Becoming Momstrong, How to Fight with All That's in You for Your Family and Your Faith, and its corresponding Becoming Momstrong Bible Study, as well as her latest Momstrong 365 a one-year devotional to encourage and empower everyday moms. Her podcast is called Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. I've been on it a couple of times and I listen to it all the time. You guys have to follow her podcast. Has nearly 20 million downloads and is available wherever podcasts can be found. Heidi's been married to Jay, her college sweetheart, since 1989. The St. John's reside just outside beautiful Vancouver, Washington, where their nonprofit organization, Firmly Planted Family, and the Homeschool Resource Center is based. The St. John's have seven children, which she homeschooled. So I personally feel like she walks on water and she ran for Congress. So we're going to be talking about that today while homeschooling her children, all whom have been homeschooled and she's got four grandchildren. So welcome to the show, Heidi. I am so happy to have you on. Hey, my friend, we've been trying to do this for a while. It's like, we're like ships in the night, you know? So I'm glad we made it. I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> yes, we are definitely two ships in the night. You are a very, very busy woman. Woman, That is for sure. Let's see. When was your run for Congress? Exactly. When did that start? That was that started um, two years ago. So right in the middle of COVID and the election was last August. So I'm coming up next next month. It will be a year since that election. So I've had a year, almost a year off of two of the hardest years of my life for sure. It's taken me a year just to recover. So yeah. I bet. I bet. Um, and I was cheering you on every, every step of the way. I was really hoping you were going to win. What did you learn, Heidi? Right. You know, right now, <clears throat> I don't, I mean, I don't even need to try to explain all of the challenges that moms are facing right now when it comes to their kids. We've got the massive, massive pride movement. We've got the gender ideology. We've got sex education in schools has changed. Uh, what did you learn stepping out, really stepping out as a woman in ministry to run for Congress? Um, well, I think that it solidified my passion to see Christian in Christians in the public square, to see Christians in the political sphere especially uh, the Bible teaches us that when the wicked are in power, the righteous groan. And we have a nation right now that is groaning under the weight of sin, under the weight of bad leadership. And I, I think the Lord really used my run for the U S house of representatives to open my eyes to really the fact that there is 
evil, and I mean it, on both sides of the aisle, evil in the Republican Party, evil in the Democrats Party, for sure. I mean, the reason I ran as a Republican and that I remain a Republican is because the platform supports life. That's the primary reason. And I wanted to run as a mother and as a grandmother and as a woman who loves and follows Jesus. And it was heartbreaking to me, as I was telling you before we began uh, to record, I was heartbroken by what I saw as a candidate for for the U.S. House of Representatives. And so for me, I mean, it was kind of like getting baptized by fire, right? Because I've never run for anything in my life. I didn't just run for school board. I ran for a federal seat. And so we raised in that year and a half that I ran, we raised about $1.4 million to, um, to compete. And I almost won the primary. And I'll tell you what, I won it. I almost won up against uh, Donald Trump. I basically went toe to toe with, with uh, Trump's endorsee. I met with President Trump for about an hour. I had the opportunity to talk to him. And I don't think I ever told you, Jennifer. I mean, it was like a real life interview on The Apprentice, you know, that that hour that I got to spend with him. Um, he was given a dossier of a manila file folder full of information about me that was not true. And one of the very first things the president asked me was why I didn't pay my federal taxes. And I couldn't, I mean, my, my, I was just like, what are we, what's happening? What's going on? And it turns out there's another Heidi St. John who lives in Washington state. And my opponent uh, took her information off the internet and passed it on to president Trump as if it were me. And so um, he grilled me about wow. why I got, why I was divorced and why I'd filed bankruptcy. And oh. finally I stood to my feet and I was like, Mr. President, with all due respect, everything you're reading about me in that dossier is a lie. Except for there was a 2016 Facebook post that I wrote about Trump excoriating him before he won the primary because I'm friends with Dr. Ben Carson. So I was a Carson girl really from the beginning, really until, uh, until Trump won the primary. And uh, I told him, I said, I, I wrote that about you. And I'm sorry, I didn't want you to win. And it turned out I thought you were a very good president with the exception of his Twitter account and some other things I wished he hadn't said. But um, it was a reminder to me that the internet really is forever. Because can you imagine, Jennifer, when I wrote that Facebook post in 2016, never in my wildest dreams did I think I'd be sitting across the table from the president of the United States while he read it back to me. <laughs> so oh it, was, it was the most... Um, challenging thing probably that I have ever done personally, aside from raising children, obviously, which I've done with my husband, but to, to be out there on the stump campaigning for Congress, um, six, oftentimes seven days a week, the biggest frustration I had was the lack of involvement by Christians, particularly, um, the local churches who should be talking about politics. Politics determines policy and policy is what shapes a nation. And why we think that Christian voices should not be in that sphere of influence is baffling to me. And uh, I, I've decided, you know, churches that hide behind their 501c3s, that that C stands for coward. And I went to over 200 churches saying, hey, could I come speak to your women's Bible study? Could I put a table out in the lobby and just introduce myself to people and say, hey, my name's Heidi and I'm, I love the Lord and I'm running for Congress. I'd love to talk to you. And only of the 200 churches that we approached, only two of them let me do it. Okay. Okay. Wait, let, let's, let's talk about this. Our country's going to hell in a handbasket. Yep. <laughs> We've got sex education in the schools that is way, way off the rails. Okay. You're running in what in Washington. Yep. And in Washington, I mean, that's a very liberal state. So you have got, I mean, the church, if you're in the church, you've got to have an opinion 
about public policy and how it is impacting the children. How could it possibly be that two churches of 200 churches would allow you to speak even to their women? It's a wrong understanding of the separation of church and state. And it's exactly, I think, what was intended when it was decided that churches could become nonprofit organizations. So basically what I heard over and over again from pastors is we don't talk about politics. We are a 501c3. They don't understand that a 501c3 does not limit you from talking about politics. What it does is it says you can't, as a church, give to a political candidate and you cannot endorse but certainly you should be having these conversations. I'd love to see churches open up their their um, their 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 auditoriums and let uh, Republicans and Democrats come in and talk about policy. The people in our churches need to understand the differences between the particular policies that these candidates represent, because at the end of the day, those decisions, when someone says what they're like, we should believe them. And if the churches won't allow these people to speak, then we don't even know who we're voting for. And it just was, it wow. was sad to me. It was very, very eye-opening. And uh, I guarantee you, I'm going to be spending the rest of my life trying to get the church to engage in, in politics. I don't know that I'll ever run again. I mean, um, if the Lord asked me to, certainly I will, mm -hmm. because I'm, you know, I live to obey him. But it was a very eye-opening. I mean, I saw Republicans acting like who I thought the left was. And I realized, man, we've got bullies on the right and bullies on the left. And here God's people just sitting the whole thing out. Uh, and it was, it was amazing to me. So I'm going to continue to advocate for Christians to be in the political sphere. I heard so many of them say, Heidi, why would you do that? Politics is so dirty, you know? And I'm like, yeah. And so is the church. What's your point? You know, <laughs> what, 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 you know, we, we think that we're this clean, beautiful bride, you know, of Christ. And, and I mean, I had my life threatened. I had people uh, send threatening letters to my house. I had somebody put a broken wine bottle on my mailbox with the label of the wine was retribution. Uh, we had to hire, we had to have security everywhere I went for the last probably four months of the campaign. That's how nasty it was. And keep in mind, this was a Republican primary. This was a Republican primary. We got a lot of work. Wow. To do. Wow, that's insane. What, okay, let's talk about women's voices in the church because one of my personal opinions is I just don't think that we would be here right now if the church had a correct understanding of the value of the woman's voice. I did a really deep uh, study in which we launched this podcast on the meaning of the word woman and the meaning of the word man and went deep into the original Hebrew. It was absolutely the most fascinating study I've ever done. But the ancient Hebrew scholars would teach that the word woman and the word man taking the Hebrew letters, the woman's name means breath of fire. It means that she is one who would announce and bring either a destructive fire or a fire that would would renew and bring life. And I think about even Jesus and his relationship with women in the Bible in which he gave them honor and gave them dignity and gave them a voice. And it was obviously women who spread the gospel from the very beginning, from the woman at the well to Mary Magdalene, all the women at the cross. What, what do you think is the problem here that the church don't have enough women speaking? And, and before you answer that question, 
When I say I, I don't believe that we would be here right now is I really believe that the over 60 million children that were aborted over the last 50 years, we would not be here right now if women were speaking at times from the pulpit, talking to the congregation about the things that matter to us, because the thing that matters to us is the children. The things that matter to us is what the children are being taught in the schools and what's happening to this choose your gender movement. It's what's happening to the to the kids when it comes to pornography and all of those things. These are the things that women are concerned about, but the church seems to be super silent. Do you think that has to do with silencing women? Well, I think it's it's a twofold problem. Uh, the first thing is that the church has just it's the same. You know, they view those issues as political footballs. So what's happening in the schools? That's that's a political thing. I mean, you know me, Jennifer, for 20 some odd years, I've been speaking out about the importance of education. It was what uh, eventually led my husband and I to pull our own kids out of the public school system. And the church does not want to talk about that because they're afraid that they would offend a tithing member of their church who maybe sat on a school board or maybe was a public school teacher. And I'm like, listen, we can talk about what's wrong in the public schools without saying that the good teachers are suddenly bad teachers, right? But we have to have the conversation. They don't want to talk about abortion for many, many generations because they felt it was a political uh, a political football. Again, it goes back to the 501c3 status, which has turned our churches into places to hide cowards. And if you read Revelation chapter 22, the very first thing on the list, when uh, when we're given the list of things that eventually damns people to hell, cowardice is at the front of that list. God hates it. We're told not to be afraid. We're told to speak the truth in love. We're, we're supposed to be walking vessels of truth. And we are supposed to be bringing that truth wherever we are. And so the church has long since abandoned that, right? So that's problem number one. Then we 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 want to pick the issues out of the Bible that we focus on. And so in our churches, our churches are filled with divorce. Our churches are filled with abuse. I just had June Hunt on my show this week. And she was talking about domestic violence, a lot of which has happened inside the church. I grew up in a Christian home that was filled with domestic violence. My dad w went to jail several times for the things that he did to me and my brother. And wow. so we, we we don't talk about, we haven't talked about those things for a very long time. And we, we need to recognize again how important they are. But when it comes to the voices of women in the church, um, I don't like the term misogynist. I feel like it's just used over and over and over again. You know, I mean, if you if you disagree with a woman, you're a misogynist. Well, come on, that's garbage. There are lots of guys I disagree with. It doesn't make me, you know, a man hater. It just means right. I disagree with what you're saying. There are women I disagree with also. But I do think there's a certain level, if I could say this boldly, of misogyny inside the church. Uh, and Jesus modeled the exact opposite of this. He modeled, uh, uh, upheld the dignity of women by bringing them on as disciples. Jesus was the first to talk to the Samaritan women, the Samaritans in and of themselves, right? Uh, in the culture were disregarded by many and in Jewish culture at that time. And so not only was Jesus talking to a Samaritan, he was talking to a Samaritan woman. And not only was he talking to a Samaritan woman, he was talking to her about the things of God. He was teaching her. He was teaching her theology, helping her to understand the things of God. And so in the church, we've spent a lot of time, and this is absolutely true in the homeschool movement, you know, shockingly, now I was one of the first voices to speak out against what I saw to be very um, uh, discouraging and even damaging to women in the homeschool movement. This was maybe 15 years ago. And of course, now everybody's talking about it because shiny, happy people and the Duggars and all the things. Um, but again, it subjugates women. 
And so we're we're seeing it again. You know, I were talking about this before, where uh, there are many there are many people in ministry, men and women, who want to relegate women to only certain certain parts of the culture. So I just heard a podcast the other day where these two Christian men were talking about how women are not allowed to teach doctrine or theology to other women, and my mouth just drop to the floor. And you basically disregard the entire ministry of one of the most amazing Bible teachers I have ever met that you and I both know. And that is Kay Arthur. You know, they were, they were using, they were bringing up names of women who I think Jennifer, you and I would both agree are false teachers as women. And there are also false teachers as men, right? The women are not the only people in the false teacher category. There, there are false <laughs> teachers across the spectrum, That's but right. they were using these false teachings that are coming from women to say that women are not allowed to teach doctrine. Well, what does that do to the great commission? What Jesus said, go into all the world. He didn't say go into all the world men and teach the gospel. Well, how do you teach the gospel? If you don't understand it, how do you teach? How do you bring someone to Christ? If you can't talk about theology, if you don't understand basic doctrines of the Christian faith. And so to relegate women which is what I heard them doing on this podcast is saying women can only teach about homemaking. They can only talk about having a gentle and quiet spirit. Uh, you know, in Titus, the women were instructed to teach what is good. And Jennifer, what is good? What's the best thing that we can teach? It's Jesus. The gospel. Yes, the gospel. it is it's the gospel. And so to, and so again, I see this subjugation of women. Uh, women have been subjugated for, you know, generations, thousands and thousands of years in different cultures. Absolutely. This is true in certain aspects of Christianity. And then we see the secular culture subjugating women and telling them that they need to murder their own children, their own unborn children in order to be successful in life. Jesus gave life to women. Jesus came that, that we would have life and we would have it to the full. And people saw Back in Jesus' time, uh, they saw women as intellectually inferior, and Jesus didn't do that at all. He preached to Mary uh, and talked to her as if he was talking to one of his male disciples. Jesus elevated the worth of women. And while I believe, and I my conviction is based on what I read in scripture, that women are not to be senior pastors in churches. They are not to be elders. To me, uh, the Bible is pretty clear that these are roles reserved for, women, for men. Uh, we Women should be very active members of the church. We should be teaching and we should be using the gifts that God has given us. So when I hear anyone, whether it's a man or a woman, say that women are not allowed to teach theology to other women, I just, I want to cry because it's absolutely not true and it doesn't reflect the heart of God. Yeah, and there's there's also no proof that a woman can't teach the Bible to a man as well. Not there is scriptural uh there's some hints in there that women should not have authority over over the Bible, we can certainly share the scriptures and teach what we have learned and share our testimonies. And my personal opinion, just as a as as a woman who's traveled around, as you have, Heidi, you know, to so many different churches and so many different denominations, is you know, when I'm given an opportunity to speak at a Sunday service. Um, there is a unique experience that happens at that service. And I was just talking uh, to uh, a gal that I mentor, Christina Boudreaux, has been on the show a couple of times. And she says, you know, when you came and spoke at my church, I had never heard anybody talk about cutting or self-harm or or eating disorders or sexual abuse and all of these things. I had never heard that addressed 
ever in church before. Well, why is that? Because it is the women who are going to use their voices to address the needs of the girls. And right now we have a situation where we have this mass uh, confusion, gender confusion among girls in this nation. And if they come into the church and they see that, well, wait a minute, women can run for Congress. Women can be CEOs. Women can be presidents of companies. Women are so gifted and so talented, but in the church, they are going to hit this this ceiling and that they're going to be muzzled, we are not going to have the opportunity to share with them what healthy femininity looks like. Yeah, it's true. And women need to know how, how valued they are in the eyes of their creator. Um, when God, when God created us, he said he created us in his image, male and female. He did not reserve that just for men. He said, women, you are also created in my, in my image. His profound respect for women was obvious when he sent the angel uh, to, to Mary. My goodness. I mean, I think so often of the women throughout the years, and my mom certainly fell into this category, uh, trying to get out from under this abusive marriage that she was living in. And I heard, I heard uh, pastor after pastor after pastor tell my mother, you just need to be more submissive. You need to uh, make sure that your husband is sexually fulfilled. You need this, you need that. No one ever addressed the sin of hitting another human being without cause. And it, and it wow. baffled me. I was just baffled by, it. I continued to be baffled by it because this was, it's not the heart of Jesus, not anywhere in scripture. And my grandmother, for example, um, was an, a, an incredible Bible teacher. My granddad was a pastor. My grandmother taught the word of God to women for her entire life. I mean, that's, I grew up listening to her and sitting under her teaching. Mm-hmm. And so I want to see us return as uh, people of God to the heart of God for both of the sexes, male and female. And you're right. We got big fish to fry in the culture right now. Uh, not the least of which is the rise of transgenderism and, uh, and the way that our children are being assaulted body, soul, mind, and spirit. And it is largely the voices of women who are speaking into what's happening at our schools and trying to bring truth to power and I think that's why it's so important that we um, we ask the Lord for his heart when we address these issues, because I know that there are women who are listening to the podcast, like the one I was telling you about a few minutes ago, who God had put a burden on their heart, but now they're going to feel like, oh, I can't share it. That's not my job. I can only talk about, you know, my the sourdough recipe that my neighbor gave me or how to how to homestead or it, it just was amazing when I was, uh, I told I told you one of these guys actually used the term wife dumb. And I was like, oh, I never want to hear that term again. You know, <laughs> just like, what are we, what are we doing when we're saying that the the roles of these precious women and the voices of these, these uh, daughters of the king are not valued by him. Certainly that wasn't something that we saw modeled in scripture. Exactly. And, you know, I always think about how uh, Jesus called the Holy Spirit, the helper, the same exact word that God uses to describe the creation of women that he created us to help uh, the church, to help mankind, not only to help our husbands. And I think that that's one of the 
the the real misconceptions in that Genesis passage when when God created Eve, he, he was creating a helper to mankind. Yeah. Adam at that point represented mankind. He was not male at that point. He was mankind. And he said, you know what? Mankind's going to need a helper. And that's the same exact word that Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit. So any church that believes that they're truly going to flourish without the helper, <laughs> yeah. without the unity. And I mean, in Genesis, it's super clear that we are called to rule and reign and subdue the earth as one man and woman, male and female. Yeah. And so unfortunately for those listening, whether you've seen this all your life or you're thinking about checking out church, I hate to tell you, the opposite thing that happened with feminism has happened in the church in which feminism, the voices came out like a raging fire in a way, a destructive fire. But here in the church where our voices were supposed to bring light, hope and revelation, our voices have been muzzled. So Heidi, but I want to wrap this conversation up and we're going to have you on next week. This is such an important conversation. What would you say to a woman who's listening right now who wants, to, who feels a call, mm. who feels like, you know what? I want to start a Bible study with kids who are struggling with their sexuality. That's what I'm waiting for, Heidi. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for women in the church to stop talking about Target and drag queens and pride parades. And I understand all of that is going on. But I want to know what, what women are going to say, you know what, I'm going to start a study for kids that are, stu are, are uh, struggling in their sexuality, or I would like to share my testimony in front of the church, but they're in a place, in a church that actually is muzzling their voices. What, yeah. what advice would you give them? Well, I think there was a time, you know, going back to what you said about drag queens and Target and all that, there was a time to bring attention to those issues. They needed to be yes. brought to the forefront. Well, yes. they've been brought to the forefront now. It's all over the news, right? Everybody knows right. what's going on. Um, and it's time for, I think, men and women to start using our voices now to bring, to offer solutions. So there's a time that we, the Bible says that we are supposed to call evil what is evil. We are supposed to call out the misdeeds of darkness. That is part of the role of a Christian. But R.C. Sproul used to say that everybody is a theologian. And so that means that it's incumbent upon every single one of us, men and women, to proclaim, to disciple, to learn the whole counsel of God and learn how to do so rightly. And we know that sharing the gospel is just the beginning of discipleship. It can't be reduced to the day that we met Jesus, right? That we were, that we were born again, that we received the Holy Spirit. This is something that happens throughout our lives. And so the gospel is a theological message and women need to understand the, the scriptural truths that are in it. The impartation of the gospel involves teaching truth. It involves teaching doctrine. And so we can't be afraid of it. Uh, you know me, I have been involved in teaching women the Bible for most of my life. And I would like to see more women speaking to the issues of human sexuality and gender and why it is so important that we begin to see our identity in Christ and those truths are found in scripture and the voices that are in the culture right now have a special call on their lives. I think because of the darkness has gotten to be so pervasive to be able to step into that space and say, no, Jesus offers healing. Jesus offers hope. You want an answer to the issue of abortion? Jesus said that we value human life. We know that Jesus was known by his father 
from the moment of conception, the Bible teaches us that when we were being knit together in the quiet secret place of our mother's womb, that God's eyes were upon us, that he saw us and had a plan and a purpose for our lives. You want to talk about marriage? The Bible addresses it. The Bible talks about the role of a husband, which is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. A husband is called by God to be willing to die for his wife, to die for his family. That is the role of a husband. The role of a wife is to submit to the godly leadership of her husband. God has created a beautiful structure for family, a beautiful structure for male and female. And when we embrace what God says is true, human beings flourish. Oh, that is so, I love it. I'm, I knew, I knew that if I had you on the show that you would speak so succinctly to exactly what the culture needs right now. How can my listeners follow you and connect with your ministry, Heidi? Well, I'm almost everywhere online. Uh, you can find me at uh, my my Bible study that we do every month. It's called Faith That Speaks. It used to be called Mom Strong International, but so many women wrote in and said, I'm not a mom and I want to say the Bible with you. So we rebranded to Faith That Speaks. Uh, so you can find me there. You can find me obviously at HeidiStJohn.com. My husband and I have uh, started the nation's largest, maybe even the first homeschool resource center. And you can find that by going to Firmly Planted Family. And Jennifer already pointed out um, that I have a brand new book coming out, Mom Strong 365 releases and just a couple of weeks. And of course the podcast off the bench. Oh my goodness. Yes. You have to subscribe to Heidi's podcast, connect with her on Instagram. And if you at all are considering homeschooling, I really recommend that you tap into all those homeschool resources that she has. Heidi, thank you so much for being on the show. I, I just, I love you. I appreciate your ministry. I appreciate your voice right now. It is so relevant. It is so true. And I love that it's not judgmental. <laughs> I love that what it does is it blows the wind in all of our sails to get off the bench and to use our voices to make a difference in this culture. Honestly, I don't even know if I'd have this podcast without you because it was being on your show and deciding, you know what, I have a voice in this conversation and I'm going to start a podcast of my own. So I have you to thank my dear. <laughs> well, I'm really glad. I love it when I hear that the Lord's using uh, the voice he's given me to encourage other people to use their voices. It wouldn't be worth much, would it? If there was just a few voices out in the space, we are all needed. Every single person is listening to your show. Maybe God's going to prompt their hearts to start their own podcast or start a ministry to women. Um, and God, those voices are needed right now more than ever. We are supposed to be salt and light. And Jennifer, you are salt and light. So thanks for having me on. It's been a joy to be here. Absolutely. It's been wonderful. Till next time, I'm a woman and my name means life. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review and send me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. Our email address is support at youaremore.org. That's support at the letter U, the letter R, M-O-R-E.org. And follow me on Instagram or Facebook. I would love to connect with you guys over there. My handle is at Jennifer Strickland underscore author. I am so happy to have you a part of the show. Thanks so much for listening. You have a blessed day.